0: to Love Life Church Podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. This morning, the title, it's called Pray. Actually, it's not the title of the message, but it is the subject matter. And the title of the message would be, hashtag God talk. The Lord spoke to me and said, what is it really you're talking about? And I said, talking with you. And he said, good. And that's how we ended it. And so I thought, well, that's God talk, you know. And this is what we're going to see in the understanding of prayer. Because it's a religious concept which equates to religious actions. And most religious Christians tie prayer into this, almost like this works action to get God to do something, and that has zero to do with prayer. That would be like our relationships, and we have to convince or manipulate people through our talking. So when we communicate, we can't be real with one another. We are trying to get something from each other, and so our communication is going to be manipulated through the desire of meeting our need. And what happens, we lose sight of the benefit of having that relationship with God. And the benefit is not, what can he do for me this morning? The benefit is, are you serious? I get to talk to the creator. And he listens. And it's like, oh my gosh. Through my walk in this journey of this life of a believer, I can see these phases. And you know what? I remember probably the most realest time of my connection with God was early on when I wasn't taught, when it was almost like I was a free-for-all. I was just like going rogue, and I just talked to God normal. I'd laugh, I'd cry, I'd I'd sing. it It was all over the place, but see, I didn't know you had to do it certain ways. And you had to make sure you ended with Jesus' name. And you had to start this way. And folded hands would always please God. And, you know, you get through this process where ultimately, you know, a a true prayer is you laying prostrate before God and begging him for his forgiveness. But this isn't what the Bible teaches. And I want us as love life and those that you know to learn what it really means to pray or God talk. What does the Bible say? And I believe that once we understand this, this is what connects. This is what opens the door in our relationship. When I start my day, I start my day with, and I'll use the term, prayer. No, I won't. I'm not going to use the term prayer. I talk with God first and foremost. It's not because I'm concerned or I have a feeling that if I don't my I'm going to be in trouble. It's because of where I'm at in my relationship with him. And because of that, I have this specific way of starting my day. And the first thing, the first thing I do with my connection is as I proclaim, "This is the day the Lord has made. I choose to rejoice." and be glad in it. That's a first and foremost thing. Now you might be thinking, well hasn't that turned into some religious reaction or action? No, it's sincere from my heart. I say that only to get my mind established that this is a new day. It's not yesterday and it's not tomorrow. And I do it to remind myself of why I'm doing it. It's a new day. That means I have the beginning of this day to be able to talk with God. I have the beginning of this day to be able to hear him, to hear his voice, his leading, his guiding, to be able to connect with the wisdom that he has for my life. And so I do this every single day, and I establish my desire that this day is a God day. And so what I'm doing is I'm sharing some of my life, my experiences, but most of all, we want to see this stuff in God's word, okay? So 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says this. Pray without ceasing, nonstop prayer. Pray continually. Now, there is no way in the world that you could do that with the wrong mind frame. In other words, the concept of prayer, majority of all Christians, is a religious concept. How in the world are you gonna religiously pray to God all the time? Is that crazy? I mean, it's, it's an impossibility. So if God's gonna tell us, don't stop yourself from praying, make sure it's on your mind and you're continually doing it, then the way of we process prayer cannot be the way most people see it as. It can't be, you know, I gotta be on my knees, I gotta be bowing, I gotta fold my hands, I gotta. And and we go through this whole process of what is prayer and how do we pray? And then we go through the connections of. A religious picture of prayer, or even how we communicate to God. And you hear this, you hear this in people, because remember, you don't have to be church to be religious. It's a nature of the flesh. And what we have to do is we have to look at our lives according to scripture and learn to adjust. That's it, adjust. Everything life is all about adjustments, right? right. Amen. It's it, it's all about adjustments. Because we're not perfect, we're not perfected, we're never going to be. Except in God's eyes and who we are to him, we're perfect through Jesus. But the key is in our life right now, walking out this life, we're going to have fumbles and stumbles and trips and falls. We're gonna have times where we're doing everything right and times where everything we do is wrong. But the point is, is the point. And that is, he said, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6.18 says, praying always. Praying always. But in the Greek language, it says, praying always with all kinds of prayer. All kinds of prayer. Everybody say all kinds. There are six different words for prayer in the Bible. Six different words for prayer in the Bible. I remember um, early on in my walk, I was a part of a charismatic church. Charismatic churches have a a strong tendency to be emotional in their spiritualism. Complete emotionalism tied to spiritualism. And what that means is is they would move forward to things that would promote spiritualism for for the sake of the look. And so the most important prayer in that type of concept is intercession. Anybody heard of intercessory prayer? Okay. Out of six words of prayer, that word is used one time in the Bible. And there are groups that major on inaccessory. Now, does that sound a little off to you? Exactly. And that's a problem. We've allowed ourselves to be manipulated through emotionalism instead of truth. And that's what we have to do. We have to, listen, even in relationships, truth should be our main goal, Right? Truth is not always easy or truth is not always understood. I mean, sometimes truth takes a lot of work. So the key is, is what we do is we don't just, we don't just become this box of of what we think is right. We open up our life. Christianity is life, right? And this life demands us to walk in wisdom. And the wisdom of God is life. So we connect the dots. We don't jump the gun. We don't run and try to take a test of something we don't understand and go, Oh, I failed. You never took a class. Yeah, but I should have known. What do you mean? The Bible even teaches. But you know what you do? You go to church. You're going to get caught up under the wave of church. And I'm talking about churches. You get caught up under the wave of church, and we start living life assumptions and through assumptions. And we start judging ourselves wrongly, not rightly, wrongly. So we start demanding that we have answers to things we don't know. And so we get condemned and guilty. And I want us free from that, totally free. We all know we're going to make mistakes. If you have kids, if you're a parent, you grasp this more than anybody. And that's why I believe parents should be the strongest believers on planet Earth. And most of the time, they're the worst, But why? Because we're not looking. We're not paying attention to life. We understand the struggles. We understand the the picture of our children at certain levels of life, certain levels of understanding. We understand. And we also look at our lives as parents. And our kids will ask us for stuff. And parents, don't we know already what they need? Think about that. As natural parents, I already know the needs of my kids. And as they grow older and as they're maturing in life, they're going to ask for things. And what's my position? I'm going to give accordingly. Accordingly to what? My knowledge and wisdom. So some things that I might ask for, they're not going to get. Or they won't get what they assume is the right thing for them. Why? Because I'm dealing with super parent knowledge. I've lived life longer, right? (laughs) Right? And that gives you the ability to go, I'm going to say no only because I know what yes will do. But it's not that you're denying them anything. In the scripture, we're seeing God saying, listen, you got to be praying all the time. But how do you pray religiously all the time? That's impossible. So many years I've, I've heard people go, I just don't know how to pray. Or if I do this, hey, can you come up here and pray? People freak. If I did right now, I'm not going to, don't get scared, because right now people are tensing up and they're getting all nervous, because there's nothing worse than to be called upon. Remember grade school, you know? And you're like going, don't call me, don't call me. And I don't know what that does other than shine a bright light on you saying, pick me. So in natural life, in normal life, all over the world, the number one important key to relationships above anything else Communication, that's it, communication. True or not? Everybody knows this. What are the first things we're taught born on this earth? First things, how to suck on the bottle right, how to eat correctly. Think about it. What is the very, fir- what is the very first thing you, you start operating in that child? Communication, T- completely. And what is the second thing you're desiring? Communication back, Right? you're waiting for you know and even parents are like you know they're in a little warfare you know i'm going to spend a little extra time with my son this morning papa papa pa, 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 pa. <laughs> and i know when i go mama's doing the mama mama <laughs> the point is is what we're wanting is we're wanting communication and what do children do now don't answer the question real quick process what do children do they communicate when a kid's going, ooh, cool, kiki, ooh, they're communicating. They just don't know it's gibberish. So in, in their communication, listen, they're not communicating in this manner. I know you said bottle, but I don't like the word. So I'm going to call it this. Not true. You look at that age over there and you start talking with, how was your day? What are you doing? Are they just saying, you know what, I'm just going to throw a bunch of gibberish because I don't care if you know or not. No. What are they doing? They're communicating. They are honestly believe that there are words of explanation going out. So God's telling us, listen, all right, so in the Bible there's six types, kinds of prayer. We all understand that in language there's different types of tenses and how we communicate we communicate in certain ways based upon relationships right I don't know what happens to me but I have a title on there it says share your life with me right now even though I don't even know you and all I'm buying is groceries it's crazy and all of a sudden I get these people these these it's the weirdest thing and I'm thinking please don't I I really (laughs) want to get going and they start sharing it's interesting that, first and foremost, this ain't about me. But what you need to understand is the greater one lives in you. And so what I do is I try to make the time of the moment. I don't throw scriptures. I don't start demanding, you know, anointing. I don't look at them any other way than I will be in here again. And the process is the process. And that's what I trust God on. And if there's something that I can leave with that person, then that's fine. I'm not transforming my life into this religious picture. I won't do it. But if the opportunity arises, I'll take whatever avenue I I need to go in. And that's it. It's very simple. In the communication with God, it's got to be simple. There's no equation that's demanded to unlock answers from God. He actually says in James if anyone asks wisdom, ask me. I'll give it to you. I got plenty of it. Anything. If you want wisdom, ask me. I'll give it to you. I ask him all the time. All the time. I'm always asking God, I need wisdom for this situation. What I pray for you all the time is that you will have the wisdom of God, a spirit of revelation, and knowledge. Of His Word in your life. That's what I will say every day. I speak that over your life. I don't say it in the manner of a religious concept, but a life concept. I want you to have an. I want you to be able to come to a situation, and for that situation to open up, and for you to be able to receive and experience God's wisdom or God's truth. Something that says I can help you right now. I can help you right now. And so in your lives, that's what we have to be able to understand is available for us. Now, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says this. When you pray. He said what? Jesus said when you pray. What's his expectation? That you pray, right? Is it not? The word he uses prosukame. Prosukame is a compound word of pros and ukeme. Now, what that means is is there's this connection of prayer in relationship and covenant. It's a PROS, P-R-O-S, is face-to-face. So wouldn't you say that a relationship in communication that's face-to-face is a close one? It is, isn't it? Now, relationships determine boundaries, right? Relationships determine boundaries. Some relationships have uh, uh, closer boundaries than others. Some have wide open fields where, you know, everything goes. But we understand that through relationships. So what we do is we look at our lives and we start saying, okay, what is God saying? He's saying, in my prayer, this word for prayer, there's this relationship that's close. This close relationship. And what I need you to understand is, is he says, when you pray in this close relationship, he says, don't be like hypocrites. And what, what is a hypocrite? In the scripture, it's tied to anything that's religious. The Greek word is this. It's, it's a word used for a stage actor. So in the Greek, you guys have probably seen this stuff, but they would make a face, and this face would have a stick. And so they take this face and put it in front of their face. And what that is, is say it had a smile on or or a sad face, and what they do is they'd be like this, and that's where the Greek language, we get hypocrite from. In other words, it's not real, it's a fake. It's an actor. It's not real. And so he says, don't be like hypocrites. They like to stand in the synagogues, on the street corners, and pray so everybody can see them. I can guarantee you this truth. That will be their only reward. So he says, they're going to get a reward. What is their reward? They want people to see them. Now, it doesn't matter what they're praying because that doesn't matter. It's not going to be answered because that's not what they're wanting. They're wanting people to go, look at me, I'm holy. Look how I pray. Look how I pray. And then they go through this whole process of how good and how spiritual they are. And God says, that's hypocritical, because that's not what prayer is about. And so he says this, that will be the reward. When you pray, he didn't say, not if you pray, he said, when you pray. Let me stop here. Who's he talking to? It's the book of Matthew. Who's he talking to right now? Is he talking to Christians? No. There is no such thing as a Christian. Who's he talking to? Right now he's talking to a bunch of crazy people. Show me anybody that's spiritual in the crowds that follow Jesus. Show me anyone that is got their acting or even the disciples. So what he's saying is is listen, he's talking to people that have no relationship as far as the body of Christ. It's Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It is the Old Testament. I know it's in the New Testament, but it's the Old Testament. The New Testament does not start until Jesus rises again and the church begins. That's the New Testament. So the Old Testament is still in in connection with what the communication is. Jesus is bringing a picture of truth in the Old Testament. Do you follow me? All right. Just so you understand it, because right now there's no new covenant yet. So it's still abiding by the old covenant. That's why the Pharisees were so mad and couldn't stand what Jesus was doing because he wasn't abiding by their rules and regulations. He was being free, which ultimately is the truth of the whole Bible. So he's in this communication and he's telling you, listen, I want you to pray. And when you pray, I want you to not worry about, hey, look at me, I pray. I want you to be able to go into a place that's by yourself. He didn't, he said go into a closet. He wasn't talking about going in your closet. Especially in those day and ages. it's not talking about a closet that we see as a closet. It's a room. It's a small room. And so what he's saying is, is go into a place where you're just by yourself. How many know you can be in a closet in a crowd? You can, can't you? So what he's saying is, listen, I want you to be in a connection place with God. No distractions, no interference, no loudness, just by yourself. And when you're by yourself, I want you to be able to pray with that relationship connection. I want you to be able to experience God. This is Jesus speaking the Father's language to us about his desires. He says, pray. He says, when you pray, isn't this beautiful? He says, pray when you pray. He says, your father, when you're praying privately, he's with you. Your father sees what you do in private. He will reward you. When you, he, you know what's interesting? He didn't have to put that in there. But he's using a concept of prayer. And the concept of prayer is what the religious people are doing. Their concept was is they're looking for a reward. What did Jesus say? He didn't say this, praying is not about rewards. He didn't say that, did he? No, you won't see that. What did he say? He says they're gonna get their reward. And then he talks to us and he says, oh, you'll get a reward. See, what is religion? Don't you do that for reward. Don't you do that to get something. It's amazing how Jesus talks and how religion talks. Now, I understand the heart attitude that we must have. But I'm not going to violate God's word because someone has a bad heart. I'm gonna speak what the word says and it's on us to fix our hearts. On you, not on someone else, on you. And so what we do is we go, okay, what is the Bible showing me? He's saying, you need to be able to get away, get away. He did not say prayer can only be done by yourself because we have to allow the whole counsel of God to bring that truth. What do we see Jesus doing? Praying in front of people, praying away from people. There was prayer going on all the time with him. As a matter of fact, when he's doing the Sermon on the Mount, you read in Matthew and Luke, if you read those two, you'll see where he's teaching specific things about prayer, and then he starts praying. And the disciples go, wow, teach us to pray like that. I mean, but see, you have to read the whole thing. And you start seeing these things, these pictures. And God's saying, listen, I want you to understand. I don't want you to go through this with this wrong view of it, because what is the truth about prayer, people? The truth about prayer is this. We don't have a good picture of it. I mean, listen, when you talk or hear people, well, I tried it. I, I, I asked, and nothing happened. And, and it's based upon this concept of almost like, you know, a, a gimme, 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 and if it doesn't happen, then there's no such thing as prayer. And Jesus understands that, but he's going to show us in his word how we're to understand prayer. So He go, look at this. He goes, don't be like the rambling heathens or the rambling religious. They think if they're hurt a lot, it's going to do something, all right? If they talk a lot, if they tr- they're trying to impress. He goes, don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You, you, listen, he's not hearing it for the first time. He already knows, all right? Matthew 7, 7 says this. Ask, and you will receive. Search, you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Everyone, how many? Everyone who asks will receive. The one who searches will find. And for the one who knocks the door will be opened. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah. And then what do we do? I knocked, nothing happened. I searched, nothing happened. But what are you saying? See, this is the problem. We want to talk that way, but we, won't, we don't want to say who said this will happen. Jesus said, you will find. It will open. Right? So if it doesn't, what's happening? See, that's the thing. Is that the question we should be asking? Because according to Jesus, I don't see don't. So there's this process of the communication or the relationship that's involved in the communication. We try to make these, these like mystical habits or these specific things that say, you know, ABC, to get this. One, two, three, for this. And that's not how the Bible teaches. The Bible's teaching us that then this communication involves life. And sometimes what we're asking for is not the right way or what we should be asking for. It's what we assume. We assume this is what we have to have. And believe me, I understand that because in your position, what you're dealing with, you assume that's what you need. But if someone has greater wisdom and understanding about my life, my situation, they're going to have a different answer. See, I'm very short-sighted in a situation of pressure. We all are. We're very short-sighted. We want relief. Turn the valve, God. And God's going, I got a greater way. I have a greater way. I always have a greater way. That doesn't mean automatically assume it's going to take forever. It doesn't mean that. It means trust him. Amen? Trust him. Ask and you will receive. Search you'll find knock and the door open to you. And then he goes on and says, you know, if your child asks for bread, would you give him a stone? If your child asks for fish, would you give him a snake? And he's going, listen, you don't even act that way. You're not that way as a parent. You think you're greater than God? You think your love's stronger than his? And that's what he wants us to get. Listen, he put the analogy. He put the parable. He puts the picture. He goes, if you as a parent, want to give good gifts. Everybody say good gifts. Pay attention right now. Just focus on what I'm saying. If you, as a parent, want to give good gifts, sometimes you can't, can you? Sometimes there's enough money. Sometimes there's enough time. Whatever the case may be, but is not your heart, I want to give good. All right, right? Parents, hear me. Do you hear this? Do you feel it? You know it. I want to do good. I want to do good. I want to do good. Now watch what he does. He says, so... How much more will your Father in heaven? And this is what blows my mind. He says, give good things to those who ask. He he doesn't even switch to, you shouldn't ask for things. You just should serve God. He continues on the process of a parent's heart to give a child good. It's a parent's heart. Parents can ache because they're not able to in some situations. I remember growing up, we went to Disneyland one time. One time we could afford it. I had friends that went almost every year. Now, there's a difference in how they're being raised and I'm being raised. But see, their situation in their family was different than mine, different. And so what you do is you look at things and you say, at that time, I got the best when I could get the best. Amen? I got the best when I could get the best to what I felt was the best. My parents' attitude wasn't, you can't have that. You don't want that. You don't want anything to do with that. You have to have this. It's what they could afford. But, all right, so we understand the differences. So how much more will your Father in heaven give you good things? Those ask him. Why are we going to God timid, fearful? Why are we going to God with this mindset of he wants to do everything that's anti? And see, I'm not trying to say that this is a teaching to where you understand that if you ask anything according to what you want, God's, God has to give you what you want. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you have to understand something. It's his heart to give you good. That's what you have to know. It's already his heart to give you good things. All right? Now, let's look at this. John fourteen thirteen says this. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Look at that. If you ask what? Anything in my name, I will do it. 1 John three twenty one. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And receive from him anything we ask, because we obey his commandments and do what he pleases. Here it's saying we do what he wants. We're obedient. The one before that, we said, ask anything according to his name. All right, so we're taking the whole counsel of God. We're not just pulling a scripture out of context, right? Right? And what we're seeing is we're seeing this relationship to asking and the will of God. Doesn't scripture say this? It shows us in the parables, Jesus saying, your father knows that in life you're going to need stuff. Don't worry, don't be fearful about taking care of those needs. Your father knows you need these things. Then he says this, seek first, put priority on the kingdom of God. And then he said, all these things, all what things? The things we're going to be praying for. I need a new car. I need a new house. I need some clothes. I need food for my babies. I need. You're going to be asking God for things. That's what we do. We ask for things, right? Jesus said, your father knows. And notice he used the term father. He didn't say God. He said, father knows. You need these things. Don't worry about it. Because when you prioritize the kingdom, all these things shall be multiplied, you See, these are his words. Multiplication in stuff with the right attitude. Now, I need to fix this because this is what's going to happen. We then connect the dots with our understanding, our understanding, not necessarily the Bible, our understanding of what spiritual things are. And this is what gets us off track because we assume now that, God will give me stuff as long as I'm faithful in the ministry of God. God will give me stuff as long as I'm praying enough. God will give me stuff as long as I'm reading enough. And we start lining up this life that's filled with a legalistic view of this will please God. And that's what we can't do. So what we have to do is we have to look at this and understand that God's saying, listen, this is the reality of this truth. His will, his name is all tied to what does the Bible teach? Does the Bible teach that God wants you to eat, work? Does he want you healed? Does he want you whole? Does he want you delivered? Does he want you set free? The will of God is tied to life. Don't assume that if it's a need you're wanting that it has to line up with church because that's not reality. The reality is, is God's saying heart first because if you're going God, please, I, I, I need a vehicle, and you want to park it next to the three you have? That's an issue. I'm not saying you can't have four. I'm saying the heart attitude is the key. The heart attitude is the key. You're not wanting to consume things upon your lust. What I'm doing is, is, I'm jumping around different areas just because it's going to be longer and I'll get more into this, but I want you right now to understand that I don't want you to check off that, well, I can only pray if it's according to God's will. Yes and not yes. Yes in that according to God's word, his will. Not checking according to his will, your definition. Because you're going to cut yourself short. You will. His will is his word, very simple. Remember the Bible says, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it divides between spirit and soul, right? It divides between it. So that has always taught me this. How do I know if I'm desiring things of God or desiring things that are selfish? And the Bible helps me. Selfishness is not wanting a new home. Selfishness is not wanting a new car. Selfishness is not wanting to have finances to be able to pay for a vacation. That's not selfishness selfishness is not wanting to do anything with God and expecting him to answer your prayers selfishness is not wanting to please him wanting to accomplish life according to what he talks about spending time living life with God Jesus said to his disciples pray in this manner and this is what we do We do exactly what that scripture says in concept. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Guess what? That scripture is not wrote that way. It's translated that way. That's truth. Because that scripture literally breaks bible truths in what Jesus said according to religious translators it is not written that way in the greek in the in the original language you must define the verbs and the nouns connecting the translation to the counsel of god's word so in other words a word here let me read it to you this way and I'll end with this this morning Matthew 6, 9 says this. In this manner, therefore, pray. Okay, he's saying, this is not a pattern. This, uh, th- th- this is not a substitute of prayer. He's saying, in the manner, in how this, is, it, this sounds, I need you to focus in on the process. He says this. Our Father. We're not talking about Christians. We're talking about people that don't even have a connection with God. He says right away, our Father. God's saying, I want you to see me as your Father. In heaven, holy is your name. Holy is your name. First and foremost, as you're establishing, God is awesome. He is who He is. He's God, the Creator of all. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Whose will? Your will. Your attitude is is I'm believing for your kingdom principles and your will to be done in those principles. Okay. You're establishing God's first and foremost. Next, He says this: On earth, as it is in heaven. So he's saying, listen, I'm focused in on this becoming your kingdom, your will, and you're a holy father, all right? Now watch what he does. You not give us this day, you give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because that's his word. God provides. Watch this. And you forgive us our debts. Exactly what his word says. And we forgive our debtors. It's a confession of faith. He's not saying, once you forgive, I'll forgive. He says, you forgive. You forgive us. We're going to forgive those that are our debtors. In other words, they owe us something. All right, watch this. And you do not lead us into temptation. See, when you read the translation, the religious one is this. Lead us not into temptation. Well, James makes it very clear. Other areas in Scripture make it very clear. God doesn't tempt. God is never going to tempt you. And it actually says, it's blasphemous, it's wrong for you to make that comment. And you'll hear churches, even on TV say, God's tempting, testing you. They will, they'll make this comment. And James makes it clear, don't ever make that comment. Well, how do we relate to this? People relate to emotionalism more than truth. See, most people are believing that God has his hand in us getting messed up lives. So it's easier to agree with that than to disagree with it. And that's what happens. The Bible shows us differently. He says, you don't lead us into temptation. And the Greek word, but, is not but. It's actually indeed. So he says this. He says, you don't lead us into temptation. Indeed, you deliver us from the evil one. That's exactly what Jesus said. That's exactly what God does. I mean, he's talking about a time period where what did he do? He was casting out devils all the time. He was delivering people all the time. He never went to someone demon-possessed and say, well, you need that because I'm going to get your family saved with you being demon-possessed. You need to carry the sickness and disease because God's glory is going to be manifested in you dying and then in the message of your funeral, three people are going to get saved. But they aren't going to really get saved. They're just feeling guilty that you're dead now. In a month, they'll be gone. Do you see what I'm saying? In other words, this is what happens. But we take it and we turn it into this religious concept of prayer. But the truth is, is what is the truth? Our Father, you are in heaven and you are an awesome God. Great is your name. I expect your kingdom to come and be a part of my life and your will to be done in my life. I believe on earth exactly it is in heaven. Deliverance, deliverance, health, health, wholeness, wholeness. I believe it with all my heart. You provide my needs. You take care of my needs. Every single day, I believe this. You do not lead me into temptation, God, because even in the midst of temptation, you said you're going to make a way of me to be able to get out of this pressure so I can learn. And you communicate, and that's the manner he was saying. Speak what his word says. Speak what his word says. God is not leading anyone into temptation. So why would you have to pray that? He says, you don't lead me to temptation. Indeed, you deliver me from evil. You provide for me. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. I believe it and I expect it. And that's what we do. We connect with God and we connect in a way that's his word. How do I know if it's spiritual? How do I know if it's emotional? What's lining up with God's word? What lines up with His word? And that's what I do. I let God's word reveal his way. And it's a process of understanding. Let the word of God bring the revelation of it. Let it unfold before you. Don't just pull a thing out of context to manipulate it. Let the whole word of God bring it. And I promise you this. Ultimately, everything tied to his word is going to bring freedom in your life. Freedom. Just know that. It's the will of the Father. And when you know his love and you know his grace and mercy and you know what he wants for you, it's not about, God, can you give me something? You know he wants to. It's about how do I line myself up to be able to have the things I know you want me to have? Saying, God, I want this is not wrong. Saying, God, I would love to see this is not wrong. The scripture is very clear. There's there's areas of the Bible where it says, don't get angry, right? It says, don't get angry. And there's areas that say, be angry, but don't sin. There's scripture that you would think talks double or it's confusing, but it's not. It's understanding the wholeness of God's word. And that's why I, I just, I try to relate and get people to understand in a way that this is life. You're not gonna get it just today. You're not gonna get it in a week. Understand it's the process of life. We're good at guilt on us. We're good at throwing down on us. What we have to do is, we're gonna have to learn grace for us. Amen? We're just gonna have to because if he can give grace in the midst of sin, and that's what he said, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. If he can do that, Can we not also ourselves? Because if you want deliverance and freedom, slamming yourself with guilt will never produce it. It's impossible. A guilty person will never be a free person. And I understand that we get guilty. I get it. But the concept of guilt was never to be lived in. The concept of guilt was be able to change. We gotta have something that says that ain't the right thing to do. We can't become hard to that We can't allow guilt to turn into condemnation. Condemnation is a verdict that's ultimate. And that's usually why people give up. They walk in the place of being condemned. Don't take it that level, amen? Don't take it that way. Let's allow God to do what he wants to do, and that is to open this door to where we're connecting with him in such a free way, a real way. You wanna know how to pray? How do you talk? That's how you pray. Talk. Talk with God. There's no rules of doing right or wrong. Talk with Him. Get before Him and just talk. If you need to, say, God, I don't have a clue how to do this, so I'm just going to pretty much talk to you the way I am right now. And just talk. You're going to probably get more into the position of, you know, my life sucks and I just don't know what to do about it. But the point is, it doesn't matter. Your faith and your place of faith is in that connection with him. And when you're connecting and you're talking with him, you don't understand the power of what's happening. You believe. You might not have the answers, you might not have the picture of freedom, but you believe, because you're talking with him. And I'm telling you, you're gonna see things unfold. Even if you're not, quote, praying right, you're gonna see things unfold. And I guarantee you're gonna go, God, how could you be so good? And that's the greatest thing about him. He's able to do something and you go, why? Why would you be so good? That's what God does. Let's let him do it, amen?